ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Oh, well, hey, look at us popping up. Oh, Who'd have thought? Unexpected and everything. Yeah. And, and the reason we're doing that is just a little teaser for the Roger Daltrey interview, which is coming your way very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. But in the part, uh, as part of our conversation, he we did a very interesting section about Keith Moon. Yes. Uh, I think. So what we do is, here's a little bit, uh, just as a taster for the Roger Daltrey uh, chat. His book is Thanks a Lot, Mr. Kibblewhite. Here's just a flavour of what's coming your way very shortly, and Mac kicks it off. I want to talk to you, Roger, about The Who on tour, because um, I know me as a teenage boy, and I'm going to say I wouldn't have been alone in this, but if you'd said to me, pick out any career you want, um, and I would have said rock star in a rock band that's doing very well on tour in the United States and we're selling out everywhere. Reading your book, that is the lifestyle you're in. And it sounds like a complete nightmare because you are being chucked out of hotels at <laughs> three in the morning, which, you know, because Keith Moon has set off cherry bombs in the toilet. And that's amusing story to tell when you get home. But at three in the morning, you're being chucked out of a hotel. And it also gets old very quickly when that's the fourth night on the trot that you've been chucked out of the hotel. I think if, if this book does anything, it sort of strips away that glamour of a rock star lifestyle. At the t- and this is at the top of your game as well well like i say when people you know kind of wish for fame there's a it's an awful lot of hard work involved uh an awful lot of hard work and and i always say be careful what you wish for because unless you're prepared to put that work in the fame on its own will just kill you and uh as it did you know quite a few people um but living with keith moon what it was incredibly volatile you just never knew from one day to the next whether you'd you know, find him alive in the morning. Towards the end, the last four years of his life, it was almost like, that's why he's, you know, it was almost like, you know, how are we going to get through this week? How are we going to get through the next week? And, you know, it literally on tenterhooks. But that made his death even more of a shock for some reason because after four years of expecting it, it was like shit. It's actually happened. It was was shocking. But you do, you do talk in the book about how you'd noticed that his his talents were diminishing because of that. The, the well, he noticed. Used. I mean, that was the uh, uh, that was the, the really that was a really sad day um, because my relationship with Keith was 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 very very different than anybody else in the band because. At the beginning, I was Keith's enemy because I used to stand in front of him. And and Keith always used to feel that the drummer should be on the front of the stage. 
he he based his style on on, on Gene Krupa. And if you watch Gene Krupa, the way he drums with the drumsticks down, and Gene Krupa used to be at the front of the stage. Well, that's where Keith wanted to be, but of course, fuck you, you got to go back there, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was the enemy. So for all that, for for the per- first sort of two, three years till sort of not till the summer of 1967, when we went on our first American tour, Keith and I used to be. There was quite a lot of friction between us. Um, but at the end of his life, I was the closest one to him, and that that was that made it that made his death really. I really, I took it very badly, very very badly, because we I was desperately trying to help him. And Heather and I were the last people. He'd kind of worn everybody else out because he used to ring up at four in the morning in a terrible state. He used to feel he used to feel useless. Uh, when he was sober, he just, he said, I'm nobody when I'm sober. Nobody likes me when I'm sober. And he just couldn't do it. And then he used to ring up and cry and then four o'clock in the morning. And Heather was really, my wife Heather was fantastic with him. She would always talk to him for half an hour at four in the morning, you know, and everybody else was putting the phone down. I would talk to him. But that, I took it very bad I, because I thought I could, I, I thought I could change him, and I couldn't. We spoke to um, uh, Michael Parkinson. He was he was in here talking about talking about George Best, which is his uh, latest book. And he said it took a while for uh, him and people around George to realise that he didn't want to be helped. Actually, um, did Keith want to be helped? Or? Yeah, he did. He did. That was the tragedy of it. He, I mean, the, the drug that killed him was was the, an, an anti alcoholic. Drug, you know, it was to stop the drinking. But uh, I've, uh, you know, I'm going to make a film of, of Keith next year. I'm working on it now. I've been trying for 30 years, but I can't get the right script. But I've got a writer now that I think has the potential to come up with it. Jeff Pope, um, look him up, uh, and we're, we'll see. Because I, 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 I have got a, an idea of a film about Keith that will. But it has to be a film. It can't be a biopic, if that makes sense to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like biopics. The only good biopic I've seen, I think, was possibly the Beach Boy one a while ago with Brian, two Brian Wilsons. So you were, So this is going to be a a, a proper a cinematic a, a film experience. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly an operatic life. Well, you know, he was such an extraordinary character, and, and I, like I say, this there was a journey, uh, and and if 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 I capture that journey, and and what Keith was going through at the time, it would be a very interesting film. Um, but like I say, I, he, he his drumming did deteriorate quite badly at the end, and and unfortunately for Keith, that he saw it in glorious Technicolor in the Kids Are All Right because. You know the last bits of film we shot for that uh, of the of uh, I won't get fooled again. I think it was or Barbara O'Reilly. I can't remember what song it was. Uh, he knows that he was being held on a drum kit by a roadie at the back of him, just keeping him sitting upright because he was so out of it, mm. and the drumming was very sloppy. And he, you know, for him watching that film, the kids are all right. Must have been like falling off a cliff and watching his whole life go before him. And he's gone from this beautiful young uh, 
uh, adorable kind of Davy Jones kind of drummer. He looked, he looked, you know, he was the girl's favourite in the band. Uh, to be in this bloated, overweight, podgy, useless drummer being held on a drum kit by a roadie, it must have been incredibly painful. He came out from the first screening of that. He was there with his girlfriend, I was there with Heather, and he was crying. And that's when he, we, we, I got, we were going to build a gym, we were going to get fit, fit, we'd get him fit, and I promised him that if he got fit, I'd get Pete back on the road touring. Uh, he did try. <laughs> he signed up for a riding lessons at Rotten Row. <laughs> that was his idea of getting fit. Getting for riding lessons. <laughs> Oh, but he, oh, you just had to love him. You just had to love him. He was a character and a half. Just a taster of our Roger Daltrey conversation coming very soon on Simon Mayo's Books of the Year. Yes, that's right. Yes, it is coming very soon. But in, in a couple of days, I would think. In, less than that. Less a than day, that? A few what? hours. In fact, it's here or... No. It's no, quite literally churning these out. Coming shortly. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com. 